It doesn't yeah. matter if you have the best little house in the street, but no one knows if about it. If nobody knows about it, then they're not going to come. Yeah. So you could have the best restaurant or the best house or the best whatever, but if people don't know that it's there, then they're not going to come. And now we're talking about marketing. This is yeah. supposed to be an Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell we love marketing? <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to the Cindy Rendon Podcast. Today, I have my awesome friend, Aubrey. A lot of the times when I tell people that I'm in real estate, people ask me about Airbnbs. Mm -hmm. They say, hey, I was thinking about getting an investment property and, you know, put it up on your Airbnb. What are your thoughts? And for the most part, I tell them, oh, I have a great friend, Aubrey, who does that and she loves it. Although she does have some cautionary tales. (laughs) Yeah, I have some (laughs) horror stories. (laughs) Did you know that your first home would become a uh, Airbnb when you bought it? N- not essentially. I think I always wanted to have um, property and own property in various places, especially worldwide, globally, because I've lived all over the world. So I thought that I was going to buy a house in Texas and really be rooted here for a while, um, but my life is crazy. And so I bought this property and hosted a lot of people, my own friends. And, um, just really enjoyed hosting other people. And then within the first year, I already put it on Airbnb and had one room on Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And then I opened it to two rooms on Airbnb and I really liked it because it was passive income. Yeah. And then I ended up moving to Bali, Indonesia and put my entire house on Airbnb. And I really focused on making sure that young professionals, traveling nurses, physical therapists, people who were digital nomads staying longer term were staying in my property. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the sweet spot of where I ended up in Airbnb. Okay. And I loved it because it's long term. They take care of the property. And then from there, I just realized, ooh, this is, I like to do this. And it's, it could be a lucrative opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up just getting into it. And now I manage multiple properties and help other people to kind of do the same thing. Yeah. So whenever you say that you started that first room, Mm -hmm. what was that like? Like, were you at the house or? Yeah. Yeah. So I lived in the master bedroom and it was a bedroom upstairs and it, they basically had the full upstairs floor Mm because there was a full bathroom up there. And I remember my first two guests, they, they booked it together and they worked for the railroad. Okay. And so they booked it to stay for a whole month and they were my first ever guest. So it wasn't just a one night stay, you know, at the, at the time this was 2016 and it was like $20 to stay per night. Wow. And they booked this room and I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is kind of creepy. I had stayed at multiple Airbnbs throughout my travels, but hosting is a whole different game. And so I, I didn't, I was like, I don't know these people. They could be serial killers. They could kill me <laughs> in my sleep. I don't know what. Um, but so I told them you can only book for two weeks and if all goes well, then you can extend your stay. And that's exactly what happened. And I ended up hitting it off with one of the guys. The other guy was never there. And... Yeah, after that, like, we're still in contact, and we're still friends, and that was 2016, and then from there, I just kind of continued opening my home to other people. Yeah, but, I mean, Airbnb does have, like, a screening, don't they? Yeah, so there's different levels to it. You can require, as a host, to have a background check, um, like, a government 
ID, all different things. But some hosts are very, they don't care about that. And so they just let anybody stay. So for me, I require you have to be 25 and up, kind of like a hotel. You have to have a background check. You have to have the verified government ID. Just because of in my years, you know, I didn't have, I was very loose with whoever I let stay. And then the nightmares happen and then just anybody shows up. And so I kind of became more strict with who I allowed to book. And even with that, just because... You're, somebody is booking and they have all of these credentials doesn't mean that that's the actual physical person staying at the property okay. because that's real. Because, you know, parents will book for their children and vice versa and friends will book for people. And so you just have to be, you have to use discernment with every booking, which, you know, if you have a property manager who's helping to do that, you want somebody who is very wise and who can kind of fill out a person based off of what they send for a reservation request. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then you're the one that's managing everything right now. Yeah. So right now I'm managing everything. It's my least favorite part of it. <laughs> <laughs> I like buying the property, renovating the property, designing the layout of the property, especially with Airbnb. The the best way to be successful is to create an experience for people. People want to show up to a place that they have not experienced in their own home. Mm -hmm. And so if you create something that's very modern or very eclectic or like a jungle vibe or a wooden cabin, something that makes you stand out and set apart, people want to go there to experience it because it's different from where they live. And not only that, but you also open yourself to the photography industry as well. I've had many photographers use my house as a backdrop to many photo shoots over the years. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, so did you just, is that how you started? Mm-hmm. You know, I remember actually whenever you were looking for like wicker chairs and everything, you're like, this would look so cute in this room. <laughs> and so I was obsessed with rattan and wicker everything. So the giant peacock chairs, very boho, mm-hmm. eclectic. That is my first house. Mm-hmm. And so everything was thrifted or from estate sales or whatever. And and that's what I love because it's like a treasure hunt all the time. And yeah. even now, that's I love to go to those places because people like that experience. So that's my, my first property is very, it's literally called the Boho Bungalow. <laughs> and it's a small house. Um, it's small. It's five bedroom, three bathroom. So it seems like it's going to be giant house yeah. from the outside. It's not. It's like the small house, but the, everybody calls it like the magic house because when they walk in, the rooms are very big and there's just so... They, well laid it's out. a very well use of space. Okay. But everything's eclectic and an experience and it's like pieces from all over the world. I have rugs from all over the world, from Morocco, from Afghanistan. I have, you know, just little trinkets from everywhere. And so it's like a taste of culture plus that bohemian style vibe. And, um, and people just like that because Mm -hmm. they, you may not be able to travel the world, but when you walk into a home that has like the world inside of it, it's an experience. Yeah. I love that. I actually like, we used Airbnb so much, you Mm -hmm. know, and to us, I think it's so normal, you know, it's just like the most normal thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it's so funny. There was like a meme out there where it's like how we grew up and our parents told us to like, stay away from strangers and don't get into strangers cars and all that. And that's literally all of our (laughs) generation does. Like we literally, it's like we have what Uber Mm -hmm. and like all those things and Lyft. And now we have Airbnb and it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, a stranger. Yeah. Let me get into your car. Oh, a stranger. (laughs) Let me just, you know, spend the night over there with you. (laughs) And like, but the thing is, that's where like we are and that's mm-hmm. just normal. It's not even, yeah. you know, anyways, yeah. that's another conversation, but 
I remember a lot of the Airbnbs that stand out are the ones that do have that experience, you know, mm-hmm. and I remember like the cabin that we stayed in in Arizona was so beautiful, you know, and like, anyways, I don't want to talk about all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so another question that I had mm-hmm. that, I mean, normally people are always wondering, like, how do you get into Airbnb? Right. You know, it's yeah. like, is that a difficult process? Was it pretty, you know, strenuous? Like, what was that like? Like just setting up an account is easy like anybody can do it. Joe Schmo down the street can get on the Google and sign up for an account. But when it comes to making your listing stand out, you do need, you need to have a strategy. And Mm -hmm. most of the time, that's why you go to somebody who's already done the process or somebody who coaches through that process. Just because if you want to stand out in anything, marketing is everything. And so are your photos good? Have you, do you have professional photos? What is the name of your listing? Does it stand out? Because People have a short attention span. Mm-hmm. So if you're, the name of your listing doesn't stand out to me, I'm going to keep swiping until I find something that I'm like, that catches my eyes. Yeah. And the same with the photos, with the description. I want to be drawn in. What does your listing have that nobody else's have? Yeah, true. And um, why should I choose you? It's with anything in life. I have to make my listing stand out. And, uh, and so that's ha- what you have to do. Basically, you have to make it stand out. And so that part, actually, I think that is the biggest struggle with people who I have walked through Airbnb with mm-hmm. is that they're like, I have my listing and my property's great, but you know, nobody's really booking. And one, if you don't have good photos, if you don't have a good description, or if you have a great house, so a great body, but you don't really, it doesn't have an experience. It just looks like, you know, Nancy's house up the street. No offense to Nancy. Nancy's amazing. <laughs> um, I friend, my mom's friend's name is Nancy, but I don't want to, if I'm looking for an experience and not just, you know, a yeah. stay, then I don't want that kind of house. I want And so that's something that I like to do is help people create that experience and set you apart and then the listing and all of that. So essentially to get on Google and set it up, anybody can do it. Literally anybody can do it, which is so great. But to do it well, you really have to, you have to do it with excellence and you have to be very meticulous and detail oriented in that. And just to you don't have to have the marketing brain. I didn't go to college for marketing, you know, <laughs> but I'm just like, what sells? Yeah. And if you think about what people want, that's the number one way to sell anything, whether it's an experience, whether it's going to an Airbnb, whether it's real estate, um, you have to know what are people looking for and how do I give people access to that in yeah. a way that is different and sets me apart from other people. Yeah, perfectly put. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were talking the other day. Like we talked about how it's so important to anticipate, Mm -hmm. right? So you have to anticipate what your client would want, Mm -hmm. right? So for example, do you put out, you know, welcome, you know, baskets or anything like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, and depending, so I have like a welcome book and I will even get like homemade goods from my hometown. And it's like this little bakery shop that's been around. It's called Margie's Sweet Shop. And they have such good little bunk cakes and they were the bunk cakes before bunk cake was a thing. (laughs) And so I give them something that is very unique to our hometown and gives them a little taste of Wichita Falls. And then I write them a little welcome note. And then depending on 
what the occasion is. So if it's a wedding or something like that, then I'll create something very kind of sentimental. Like, yeah. hey, I want to celebrate YouTube. That's how I am. But I think that people, like, especially our generation, we desire something that's more personal. Mm -hmm. We want relationship. It's not just a transaction for me. Yeah. And that's with anything. And so when people know, oh my gosh, like, this person actually thought about me, even in the card, I'm like, I'm so, so excited to hear that your daughter is graduating this week. Congratulations. What a huge accomplishment. And something so simple goes a long way and people yeah. remember it. I remember one of, probably within the first two months, I had this woman told me, hey, I'm coming to your hometown. My daughter was a teacher there. And she, her, daughter at, her daughter actually died in a tragic car accident going home from work one day. She was a school teacher. And so she had messaged me and just said this and was like, I'm going to stay for a week and go through her things. But I, I don't feel comfortable staying at her house. So I'd rather stay with you. And I was like, absolutely. And I remember just thinking, oh, my gosh, what can I do for this lady <laughs> Yeah. And another one of my friends is a local artist and she does calligraphy and stuff like that. And so she had made this thing and I put it in a little package for this woman and wrote her a card and gave it to her. And the first night she came down the stairs, this is actually when I was living at the house too. And she had tears in her eyes and she was just like, you don't know what, what it means to open this up. My daughter was about the same age as you. And wow. this is so hard to do this. And then when she left, she wrote me a card and like left me this cute little mirror that matched the bathroom that she was using perfectly. And so that little mirror is still in that bathroom. And it's little things like that where whether it's just a card, a welcome card, or a little gift basket, or even a lot of hosts will create experiences in mm -hmm. their city. And Wichita Falls, like, ain't nothing happening up in this hillbilly <laughs> town. Um, but we do have the world's tiniest skyscraper, which is in the Guinness Book of World Records. We have the waterfalls that are man-made, and sometimes they aren't <laughs> um, really waterfalls anymore. And then we have, like, random prairie dogs this okay. prairie dog park and I will never forget one time I had <laughs> I hosted some Australians they flew in and I took them to all the places I got you know I was like Wait, jump in my car I, I drove them I was like do you want to experience Wichita Falls and they were like sure and this is before the the Airbnb experiences was even a thing okay and I was like, yeah. So I took them. This girl was freaking out over these prairie dogs. <laughs> kind of how we would freak out over kangaroos, probably. Oh, okay. She's like, oh, I'm obsessed. It was crazy. But to this day, she still messages me. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so thankful. Like, I had the best time in Wichita Falls. I cannot wait to visit Wichita Falls. And I'm like, Wichita Falls? <laughs> like, she ain't even seen America. Like, this girl literally flew into Dallas and got a taxi to Wichita Falls. And that's the only part of America that she saw. But because of... The experience that I had the ability to give her, she will never forget Wichita Falls and she is drawn to Wichita Falls. And that's what you want to do as a host, yeah. whether it's your home or your city, creating something that people are drawn to. And like you said, that expectation, mm -hmm. um, like leaning into what do they expect and how can I give it to them before they even show up? Exactly. Yeah. I had a friend who was a photographer and said that they would take pictures for other listings. Or maybe you were telling me about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was you. Yeah. But anyways, I can't remember. I've heard that people take photos for Airbnbs mm -hmm. and that way they, they actually like trade. 
Mm-hmm. Like photographers will trade. Oh yeah, for sure. Like for mm-hmm. professional photos. Mm-hmm. And I like, that's crazy to me that they were literally just traveling around taking photos for Airbnbs. Yep. Did you ever do that? I never did that. I mean, who's going to Wichita Falls as a photographer? <laughs> now, if, if I was in Dallas or Miami or Chicago or New York, I think that those are kind of the markets and the cities that are very, I, they would definitely do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they were doing that kind of thing. Um, and that's, that's where it's at too, because you're getting really great photos. Well, hopefully great photos for uh, a service. Yeah. So a stay is worth the value of X amount of photos or, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah. There's actually somebody else in Kansas city who, um, they created a whole Instagram account for their Airbnb, like for their house. And so they made mm-hmm. it in whole, a whole like account where people would just find it and mm-hmm. then like keep up with it. Do oh you yeah. Do- no, I did that at first. I was, I was like the boho bungalow on Instagram and then I just, I was honestly too busy I, because I was living in Bali, Indonesia and maintaining Instagram accounts over there and social media over there and a lot of marketing over there. But that is also a niche thing to do. If you can get on Instagram and post your account, I always tell people, if you can make something popular or trendy and it goes viral, then everybody will want to go there. I don't care if you're in hillbilly wichita falls if i was able to establish like tiny homes in wichita falls and it was this tiny home community in wichita falls and it was very unique and eclectic and then i posted it and was consistent on social media and instagram and i showed people hey you want to come here Mm -hmm. this is an experience that you're not going to want to miss out on people will show up they will come to wichita falls where Things are now happening because I made it happen there. But it's just like what happens out in, um, what's that? Waco? Well, Waco's, Waco's a them. hot spot, but uh, I'm trying to think. I'm going to have to think. What is that? You know, it's out in the middle of nowhere of Texas. Oh, my gosh. Marfa. Yeah. So Marfa. I still Marfa, don't understand what Marfa, Marfa is about. Marfa is literally, that is what happened there. You They picked out this place in the middle of Timbuktu nowhere <laughs> it wasn't popular nobody's going to Marfa nobody even heard of Marfa before but because they established these teepees and did something that was different they drew in a crowd of people who were like "Ooh, we want to go there we want to experience this thing this vibe whatever and now it is so popular these people are making tons of money because they created this experience i have friends from california i have friends in indonesia who are like oh i i've heard of marfa <laughs> and it's marfa like are you serious but that's how things work if you're really good at creating an experience and again you don't have to go to college and get a marketing major to do these kind of things you just have to create an experience that you know that people would want to show up to or what what experience would you want to show up to that's Mm -hmm. different that nobody Mm -hmm. has done before and then if you create that then the people will come yeah you know they say if you build it they will come well you got to build it and make it in a way that nobody else has done it before and kind of yeah it's just like okay I I guess I would add to that if you build it and market it the right way they'll come come. yeah for Mm -hmm. sure because so. we were talking about that earlier, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it doesn't yeah. matter if you have the best little house in the street, but no one knows if about it. If nobody knows about it, then they're not going to come. Yeah. So you could have the best restaurant or the best house or the best whatever, but if people don't know that it's there, then they're not going to come. And now we're talking about marketing. And this is yeah. supposed to be an Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell we love marketing? 
<laughs> but really, it's like marketing is huge. It's massive. You know? Yeah. And then yeah. especially now with social media marketing, I mean, there's really no reason why you shouldn't be marketing, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's so easy to just set up an Instagram account mm-hmm. and actually just throw out photos and everything else, right? Yeah. So anyways, before we go into all of that, let's go back to Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> so now you have multiple properties. Yes. And I know that one of them you're renovating. Mm-hmm. So, I'm renovating it right now. So tell us a little bit about that. Has it been fun? Oh, yeah. Honestly, I love this process. I love ripping out all the things, um, ripping things away because it's also, you know, you, you see the physical thing happening to a, a house cause it's a house at first until you cultivate it and create it into a home. But also it is like a reflection of you. It's a very emotional, mental, even spiritual thing. And so I feel like I'm always learning a lesson about me. Like, you know, these people put five layers in the kitchen floor and here I am having to scrape five layers up. And if they would have just put, ripped out the one layer when they did it and did it the right way, I wouldn't have to go through all this junk. And that's kind of how we are in our own lives. So anyways, it's a, it's (laughs) crazy. (laughs) It's, it's a deep learning thing that I'm like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. So it's amazing, but also (laughs) talk about anticipation, you know, I, I feel like I'm somebody who's so positive that I don't anticipate the worst case scenarios and then they happen and it's like, no, <laughs> my life is over. <laughs> um, but that's kind of how renovating properties are, you know, especially when you're buying a house, you have the inspection, you hope that the inspector did a good job and that they were very thorough, but sometimes they're not. And in this situation for this property that I bought, they weren't the most thorough. And so, you know, I thought that I was just going to come in and put new floors in and renovate a bathroom and renovate a kitchen. And now, right now, my house is just down to the studs. It's literally only the wood. Wow. <laughs> I, even the foundation wow. was messed up. And me and another guy went in and put a jack and fixed all the foundation ourselves. which no I was way. like, wow, this is amazing. Look what I did. <laughs> so I'm learning a lot of things. And yeah. I love that part because I love to learn. But also when the money starts slipping out of your bank account, it's like, ooh, I need a vacation, <laughs> but I don't know if I can afford one. <laughs> but so I think it's just one of those things is, you know, like I had um, – in renovating the bathroom of this property, I realized, uh-oh, there's no insulation. Yeah. Well, that should have been caught in the inspection, but there's no insulation in the house out whatsoever. And I had already painted everything and paid for the paint. Wow. And the labor, which I was the labor because I did it myself. And then I was like the cheapest way, actually not even the cheapest way, but the most wise way to do this is to rip all the walls out ourselves and insulate it properly ourselves versus paying people to come in and do it and, yeah. you know, to blow it in. Because there's other choices you can make, but that's just the wisest way for it to last long term and to be done with excellence. And so it's like you got to take the hit um, right now, but long term it's going to be worth it because yeah. the property is going to be worth more value and also the bills are going to be less month to month, you know, electricity and stuff like that. But in doing that, then I realized that the windows had water damage. And then as we ripped out all these walls, there's termite on the main wood bearing beam that goes across the room and, and things like that. And sometimes it's easy to be like, oh, discouraged in that process or dang, I took another hit. Dang, I took another hit. Dang. <laughs> um, but honestly, I think I'm just so thankful that I 
can even have my hands on now three properties. Yeah. And so I don't look at it from a pessimistic perspective. Life happens. And whether it's life or buying a house, you know, there's going to be things that are going to hit you around the corner that you didn't expect, but how you sit in that situation and how you respond to it is everything. And so things are going to come up, especially when it comes to buying property and renovating property and even hosting Airbnb or VRBO or short-term rental or long-term rental, things are going to happen. That's life. But, um, so yeah, I think just my perspective on it, don't get me wrong. There's been times that I almost got a permanent twitch in my <laughs> eye. There's been times where I was like, Lord, why me? <laughs> like, why are all these bad things happening to me? Um, but I think at the end of the day, you know, within a week, I'm like, okay, this yeah. is just life. And you got to just pedal to the metal, buck up, buttercup, keep on, keep it moving. Yeah. So, Yeah. <laughs> That's your pep talk for today. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> Love it. So you said short-term rentals. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Because what is the difference between a short-term and long-term rental? So short-term rental is really hosting on like Airbnb, VRBO, any kind of website like that. And it's more of, hey, I'm going to stay at your house for a weekend stay or a week stay or even the three-month stay for the traveling nurse who's coming in for three months. That is That kind of goes in that box of short-term rental. Long-term rental is kind of what a lot of people do where they do longer-term lease. Like they have a couple who comes and takes over their whole property for a year. Mm-hmm. And so that is kind of the difference. And I've done both. And I've learned from both and just based off of where where I kind of thrive, I prefer short-term rentals just because you have access to the property more. If I wanted to host, you know, have tons of people come into town, I have that opportunity to, Mm -hmm. to block those dates on my calendar and let all my friends come into town. Or if you have a family reunion or whatever, also you make more money on short-term rental. That's just where it's at. Now it's, it's not always consistent. And so people like something that's more consistent. And if you want something that you are guaranteed to make 1500 on this property every single month, then long-term is kind of your jam and where you should go. Mm-hmm. If you're somebody who you don't like things that are unpredictable, long-term rental is where it's at. If you're somebody who doesn't want to deal with drama that could happen, uh, drama can happen whether you're long-term or short-term. But I think one of the things with long-term is when people stay at your property long-term, they don't take care of your house as much. Not always. You long-term? Know, long-term. So if people stay at your house for a year or two years, you know, they may not tell you what has happened in their house. Like if there's a leak, they may just be like, oh, it's just a leak. It's not that big of a deal. I don't need to tell the landlord. Things really? like that happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Or they have dogs or they decide to smoke in your property. And, and maybe you don't care, but for me... As a owner, I don't want, I, I'm very strict with the rules that I have. Mm-hmm. And so just from what I've learned, a lot of times, not everybody, because I've been a renter as well, and mm-hmm. I'm not like that, but I do know that you're more inclined to get people who don't really care about your house because it's not their house, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to long-term rentals. Sometimes you'll get the best tenants in the world. I've yeah. had some of the best tenants in the world, and sometimes I've had the worst tenants in the world. But I think that just, so that's kind of like what could happen on that end. Now, 
short-term rental, the same thing could happen where people don't care about your property. But specifically on Airbnb, you're covered by a million-dollar insurance policy. So if somebody does destroy your property, you can send them an invoice for X amount of dollars of whatever it was. And if they deny it, then it is covered in an Airbnb claim. You have to go through this process and it is, it can be a strenuous process Mm -hmm. and they have to do all the the details and all the things, but you are covered in that to Mm -hmm. some extent, which gives a lot of peace to people who are hosting. Right. And you don't get that if you're a long-term rental right and I mean you can have I guess the renter would have like renter's insurance in that case but it's still I I I have a story that I could share that Mm -hmm. about you know someone who leased a property and the person Mm -hmm. the tenant was not um truthful with everything that was going on in the property Mm -hmm. and then of course the landlord didn't find out until months later Mm -hmm. which turned into a giant catastrophe but anyways that's for another podcast I'm sure yeah and so maybe I'll have the landlords share it. <laughs> Do you have any stories that you that you know you had to submit claims to Airbnb or anything like that? Oh, do I? <laughs> I mean, I've had some crazy stories. And I have I've managed my Airbnbs different ways. I've done only long-term rentals where four different people stay in the same house and they share the same living mm-hmm. area and all the things. And then I kind of segued into renting out my entire house and kind of experiencing that and seeing what that was like. And I've had nightmare situations with both. Um, I've had more good experiences than bad experiences, but you always remember the bad. And so in one of my stories in the long term, so I had four people staying at this property at the same time and they all three people had an issue with this one girl. She wasn't putting her, cleaning her dishes and, and just as a property owner and the manager of the property, I tell everybody, Hey, you know, in order to respect the living areas, the public living areas that everybody else is using, make sure that you do your dishes immediately, like hand wash your dishes or turn on the dishwasher and do them because people don't want to come into a kitchen that's all dirty. Yeah. And so kind of how I live my life that's kind of the foundation of what my properties look like and all of my tenants they kind of I mean they do listen to that but you have the few that are like no I'm a rebel (laughs) and this girl she was one of the rebels and she just didn't want to do it and so I got a lot of complaints about her and I was out of the country and so then she she was flushing things down the toilet that she shouldn't have been flushing and Lots of crazy things happened. We had two plumbers come out to try to fix the issue. It was causing issues. She was sharing a bathroom with a, a man. Mm-hmm. And um, and so he was upset with her because she was just really messy and all the things. And then one day I get a message from another girl on the property who had her own private. She had the master bedroom and private bathroom and everything. Mm-hmm. And she messages me and she's like, hey, just so you know, I decided to check out a day early. And I was like, oh, what happened? And she was like, that girl pooped in my shower. And I was like, excuse me, what? (laughs) No way. This girl literally went into her bathroom. The toilet is right there and pooped on her shower floor. I cannot make these things up. I'm like, my life is so crazy. How How does this happen? So she literally just... Yeah, she was crazy. No. Yeah. <laughs> why would she do that? Not I don't even want to, you know. No. I don't I don't know why. Okay. So that was one thing that was crazy that was ha- that has happened. Um 
Another crazy thing that happened was I just had some guys come through. They stayed for a week. And I thought, I honestly had a feeling in my spirit that it was not a good idea. And so before they even checked in, I almost canceled the reservation, which doesn't look good as a host because then you can lose super host status if you do that kind of thing. But I was like, oh, should I cancel the reservation just because I did not have peace? And I told my mom and she's like, no, you're just worrying too much. And so... I listened to my mom and I just allowed them to stay and entering the property. All of my properties have keyless entry. They have a key code, you know, Mm -hmm. easy access. And I had just left the property and this guy said, the code isn't working. And I was just like, uh, it definitely works because I was there five minutes ago. So I give him a new code five minutes later. I, because I'm on my phone 24 seven as a host. And especially if you're managing your own properties, you want to make sure that your notifications are on, that you are very quick to respond, especially when it's check-in time, which is usually four to 6 PM at least. And so I responded within five minutes and gave him a new code. And then he says, that's, that code doesn't work either. And at, at this point I'm like, okay, something is off. I'm about to just come over there and say, you're not staying at my house, find a hotel. Wow. Because you you do have to pull stuff like that where, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't have peace about something, follow your peace. Because if you don't have peace, there's a reason you don't have peace. But still, I gave him a third code. He gets into the property. I don't really, I feel like there was another issue at one point that he complained about. And people who complain, that's a red flag, especially in the beginning. If people are complaining or they try to ask too much at the beginning, even setting up a reservation, that's always a red flag for me. Okay. Um, so just know that. But anyways, at the end, when he checked out, he messaged me something else. Like, it's very unprofessional that your three codes didn't work. And I'm end? like, bro, listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the end. And I'm like, all, co- all the codes worked prior to me leaving the property. So I showed up within five minutes of them leaving the property. Mm-hmm. All three codes worked. Which made me realize this guy from the beginning is trying to get a discount. Okay. And he's trying to show Airbnb, hey, the codes weren't working. And he even said, we had to wait 45 minutes for you to respond. And in my messages, you literally see the time because it's like a text message. Yeah. It says 6 o'clock, 6.05 p.m. is my response. He messaged back at 6.07. I messaged back at 6.08. Oh, my gosh. So it's things like that that... And what happened with this property when we went in, uh, it was a very quick turnover. We had people coming in the same day for a wedding and they had just said, hey, the um, the AC doesn't really seem to be getting as cold and it's August in Texas. So it's 110 degrees outside basically. And I was like, oh, that's, that's very strange. And so um, I went over there. Actually, I didn't go over there. I had somebody who is an air conditioner person and go over there and check it. And he checked the unit and it was completely frozen. And th- those guests I checked, I have the nest thermostat in all of my properties as well. And you can go back and see what temperature it was on all the mm-hmm. days. And they had it on 51 degrees every day. So it actually froze our unit. They had the doors open when we arrived to the property, which you don't do when it's anybody's house. You don't leave all four doors open in the house. Right. And we ended up having a fly infestation. And so we had to set bombs off. 
And and it just became this very big ordeal. And as we they broke into our upstairs area, because we have a private upstairs area, so they broke two doors. They broke the main door to get into the upstairs area. And then they broke a bedroom door that was locked up there in that area as well. They used that area because there's two beds and a bathroom up in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just I could go on and on. I have like this list when I had to message Airbnb about filing the claim through them. My list was so long. Wow. And I was just like, I'm going to smack those guys if I ever see them. But it's things like that. Like, you are going to have people like that who mm-hmm. are just not good guests. Yeah. You know? Sometimes you come across people that aren't the nicest people. That's life, too. Mm-hmm. And I think... But overall, my good experiences far outweigh the bad experiences. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I have to focus on. I mean, it's easy to talk about all the ones that, you know, pooping on the bathroom shower. I'm like, what the heck? Um, or the, these guys freezing the unit or whatever. Cause I ha- I do have a handful of stories, but in six, almost six years of hosting a handful of stories is nothing in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, it allowed you to travel oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. Cause I remember like you were traveling, you were like, mm-hmm. yeah, I have my Airbnbs booked. And <laughs> you were just like living life. <laughs> yeah. I was like living in Bali and living my dream. And yeah. How long were you in Bali? Two years. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Wow. That mm-hmm. feels like forever. I know. Too. It's crazy. But I remember even before you went to Bali, though, you were just like traveling all over. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I would check to see where you were and you're like in freaking L.A. or no. Mm-hmm. Where were you? Yeah. In- I went to L.A., yeah. Nashville. I went to 17 states in 2017. Yeah. And that's when I had the coffee brand. So that's why I was traveling a lot. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's so crazy. crazy. If you could go back and... Back to 2017 when you started. Like, is there anything that you would tell Aubrey then that no, that Aubrey knows now? Yeah, I think I would say it. There's going to be times that it's hard, um, but it's going to be worth it. And I, I think one of the number one things that I would say is find people that you can truly rely on when you're not there, because. Like a cleaning crew, Mm -hmm. a plumber, an electrician, things, you know, a handyman, whatever. Make sure that you've lined up those people that you really trust. And they're people of integrity and they do things with excellence. And they have the same standard that you do. Because for me, I want to leave people better than I found them. And I want to walk into a place and leave it better than I found it. And whether you're coming into my home or I'm going into yours, that's the experience that I want to give to people. And unless your plumber or your electrician or your housekeeper is on the same page, then they're not going to be able to cultivate that atmosphere for you or they're not going to meet the standard that you require. Right. And so... You know, even with my home, I want to make sure that they're, it's not messy. I want you to walk in and be like, man, it's so clean. Mm-hmm. And, and wow, it's an experience. Oh my gosh, look yeah. at this cool furniture, whatever. But if it's dirty, you're mm-hmm. not going to focus on how cool the furniture is. You're going to be looking at the floor and be like, ooh, gross. Like, is this even clean? Right. And so you want to make sure that you're working with people who have that kind of standard. And even like my, the man that I found to work on the AC unit, um, the HVAC guy, he works on all my properties now, and he, he will go into the home when people are there if they have issues with the Nest thermostat or something happens, and they are always like, oh, my gosh, he was such a kind guy. I love and that. that's the kind of people that you want to connect with when you're establishing any business, especially something like this that's hospitality. Right. 
That's so good. So it's like build those reputable um, relationships even, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the professionals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. You don't think about that. You know, no. normally people just wonder like, how much can I get with this house? Like if I buy this house, like what's my return in investment, you know, mm-hmm. my ROI. And it's like, okay, but how are you going to manage this house? Like, are you prepared to, you know, move forward? And do you have that, that team? Right. You know, exactly. So Even I mean, the overhead in the beginning, you know, knowing that if I buy a house, how much is a renovation going to cost? And also to, to create that experience, what's, what budget do I really have to set up or to set aside so that I can do this? Because a lot of people think, oh, I can have an Airbnb. I'll buy a house, renovate it really quick, and then um, put it on Airbnb. I'll just fill it with whatever furniture I find. But nothing worth having happens in a hurry. Good things don't happen in a hurry. And so even with Airbnb and with anything that I do in life, nothing happens in a hurry. And so you have to make sure that you just do things with excellence and consistency and, and integrity, because mm-hmm. that is what cultivates an experience that people want to show up for. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, I mean, we can go on forever. I have so <laughs> many other questions that I want to ask, but it's like, man, we'll be, we'll be here for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Aubrey. And yeah. How do people find you? I am on Instagram. You can find me on there. My handle is at a-U-B-R-A-Y-S. That's my personal Instagram. I share all kinds of things, even, you know, my renovation projects, Airbnb tips, mm-hmm. lifestyle, whatever. And then that's basically where I'm at. So if, if you want to find any other things, then follow me there. Well, thank you so much, Aubrey. And thank you for listening. <laughs>